Welcome to the Finder of Lost Things, exploring your superpowers of trust, healing and transformation with me, Hannah Belton. My brother, Christian, disappeared in Mali, Africa in 2003. He disappeared without a trace. We lost his story. We didn't have closure. We lost so much. I was fighting and searching to find Christian when actually I just needed to sit in stillness and attract him in. I was so resistant to doing this, but I had to surrender. It's a process of trusting and finding the lost pieces and and integrating them. This podcast will uncover the process that Christian and I went on to find the lost things, him, and to find the parts of me that were missing. And we were destined from the start to tell our story into the dark, for we were born to a great white shark. Hello everybody, welcome, do come in as usual, come in, sit around the circle. Um, I've got a gorgeous guest for you to meet today. Um, but just before I start talking to, to uh, Nikki, um, I just want to, this thread that we're pulling through about Krishna and I and our sort of new adventure. Um, so the other day it was National Siblings Day and I noticed it for the first time last year. It's obviously some kind of new thing, probably a money-making exercise, but um, I thought, well, you know, there's going to be lots of siblings who are missing each other. Some of them might be in spirit, but otherwise they could be just separate in the physical, and I thought it would be nice to make a post about it. Uh, But while I was writing the post this year for it, Christian was like, right, we're going to sit down today, we're going to do something together, and we're going to sit down and we're going to write some long overdue letters that we should have written, um, but uh, me, Hannah, wasn't ready to do them. But anyway, uh, so on Saturday I sat down with Christian and we wrote five letters, and it's all to do with finding his lost belongings, which are still in in Mali, in Kita. So... That's just a little update. Things are starting to move along. Uh, The other thing, um, yeah, I just have to tell you about, uh, so I've got my lovely guest, Nikki Sheffras, with me today. I first met um, Nikki quite a long time ago. It was probably about a year and a half, actually. And the minute I met her, we both had this click, like we had to know each other and we had to connect. Um, And then... If I st- I'm just going to bring Nikki on because I want you to see where she is. So we're doing a, a live out- outside broadcast <laughs> this evening. Or, yeah, it is this evening, obviously, in the UK. Um, hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely lovely to see you, as always. Oh, thank you for the invitation. It's, it's always good to connect with you, Hannah. And, um, yeah, <laughs> just sitting in my gardens this afternoon it was so beautiful out here earlier but we've had we had snow this morning here in the UK so we did I was wondering if we'd be able to do the outside broadcast but like this is where I'm Nikki so on the 21st of March 2020 um just before our lockdown in the UK I went to Nikki's uh house and joined her I'd never done a fire circle before um, but Nikki is 
firekeeper extraordinaire and it was the first um cacao ceremony i'd done as well and oh you'll see behind her nikki do you want to just sort of explain your the setup you have there and and what your fire circles are all about um I think first of all it's just that connection with nature and um, I feel very blessed with uh, where we live we've got a stream at the bottom of the garden so it's a wonderful opportunity to connect with all the elements here and especially around the fire but also I'm sure you can probably hear it there's a total symphony of bird call and uh, we have we have uh, all sorts of birds living in the area so it's really quite special and um with the fire, there's something about being in circle around a fire and and especially with cacao, which is a very heart opening plant medicine anyway. But it's something about really connecting to our, we always used to connect around fires. We always used to connect in circles and there's a big part of that that's been lost. And I think it's bringing that back in, um, in, in this culture particularly, that's so important. Yeah, so we so actually this year we've we've been able to do um, the two solstices and the two equinoxes around the fire, yeah. um, and then uh, I mean I love the fire the the way Nikki does it. We have it. It is so magical, isn't it? It's like this liminal space where we come in from the outside and and everything that's been happening this year, and we are able to sit in a circle. And it's you know when we've had so many rules and sort of limitations on life weighing us down um and just being in nature and around the fire it, it gives something special doesn't it it's that takes you sort of out of the comfort zone that we've been we've been in really at home I think it's a couple of things I think one is as you say it's like you create a sacred space I mean sacred space is all around us but if, but there's something about creating the intentionality around that and really being open and willing to connect and as you say um it is this kind of liminal space. It's a doorway to something and, and you can very, it's very tangible. I mean, you've noticed it when we've sat around the fire, when we open the space and we close the space, it's like when we close at the end, you can feel almost like a bubble um, disappearing. It's, 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 it's something almost tangible and there's something about being able to connect in a way and especially when you're in a circle where everyone's experience is valid and welcome. And oftentimes you find that it tends to, we share same stories and um, things come up that someone might not be prepared to say but they can easily instantly connect with that so it's it's a place of deep connection really and and especially around the fire which is you know one of the greatest teachers there is around grandfather fire yeah because I know there's a difference between I mean there's obviously lots of people are sitting around fires at the moment uh, being you know, <laughs> in their gardens but there's a completely different thing of sitting around with you know with a drink and chatting with friends and um, you know with your mates and then sitting in circle in a sort of ceremonial uh, way around a fire. I think it's because when again it comes back to that intentionality of what what you what is what are you coming to it with and and the idea when we sit around the fire, as you know, we make offerings to the fire first. And there's this very symbiotic relationship with it. And, and fire heals and transforms. It's the language of symbolism. It awakens ancestral memories within us. And there's something about that, that when you connect to that, 
it starts you start to ignite literally within you that own your own sense of magic and remember really what it is to be connected and i think that so often you know we live life i'm speaking generically here but we live life asleep and you know when we start to connect to this with nature itself and all the elements and remember that then it, it you know, I'm an animist at heart. I think I believe in the spirit and everything. And when you recognize that, everything just comes alive and life just feels so much richer. It does. And I know you were telling me you um, you, tr- you did something a bit different the other other night just to take yourself out of the, the <laughs> box. <laughs> so I, think, I think it's important to touch on that. So Hannah and I were talking the other day and um, I think now, now more than ever, our comfort zones are... are, are cycle it's getting smaller and smaller you know our our sense of especially given our current situation and the the without going into it but our sense of our sense of pushing ourselves out of our boundaries is really important it's really important to do that otherwise we just get too comfortable and it starts to condense and get smaller and smaller and our experience becomes smaller and smaller and so it's just a really really small and silly thing the other day I just slept out under the stars in the garden I mean probably not the best night for it. it was a little bit windy and it wasn't the clearest of skies but it was beautiful nonetheless and in, I, what I did find was in the same way that the fire as as you well know and, and awakened something there was something about being outside and sleeping under the trees and seeing them move above me and it awakened a time of when that used to be normal you know sleeping under the stars was, was something normal rather than my comfy bed and I think it's just about pushing comfort zones wherever we can at the moment so we don't live a limited existence but we experience what it means to live all of life in all of its beauty and colours. Yeah, it's, it's almost like being childlike again, isn't it? And remembering there's there's something about sitting around a fire in 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 community where it's like it's so deeply I remember doing it at some time, you know, this connection with our just returning to our to what we were we have always been doing and and what we are used to and we just in our lives now we we just don't get that connection so much I mean I suppose we have more with with nature now we've all slowed down and we've been able to spend a lot more time in nature but remembering that sacred connection that we had and and being the animist like there's a spirit in in everything isn't there can you just explain a bit more about your your beliefs of nature and well I yeah, everything sounds silly said but everything's alive it has spirit and and it's I think just to touch on what you said it's that finding the joy within and and coming back to ourselves and remembering what we know is there but we can't quite connect with it because it's been you know we we used to be tribal people we used to live in very very connected to to the lands and for the last few thousand years that's become more and more removed life has become more and more comfortable and our communication with our surroundings has become more and more limited and I think it's opening up that dialogue again it's opening up and finding ways and I truly believe when you start to communicate with nature or or when you open that that open that dialogue up it, it it is met it is heard and there there is a reciprocal relationship I mean 
I had, I think I might have mentioned you or maybe not, but one time I was singing by a stream and literally the tree next to me, suddenly before I knew it, it was just full of birds. And I truly felt that there was this connection there that I was suddenly one and part of everything else. And it, it sounds a bit, you know, I don't know, that might sound odd for some people if they're not used to, to thinking like that. But genuinely, the more we appreciate what we have around us and that we are stewards of these lands rather than taking for granted everything that we have around us, the more we have a hope of living in a harmonious way on this planet, not just with each other, but with our surroundings and everything else. Currently, we live in such a cut-off, separate way and even within ourselves, you know, within uh, disconnected from our own hearts, disconnected from each other and disconnected from the place around us. When as humans, we yearn for connection. We yearn to be connected to something bigger. And, and I think that's also coming back to the fire. What it does, it, it reminds us that we're part of something bigger and greater. And it's so important for us to have that. And, and, and I think so many people are looking for it, but are maybe confused as to where to look because maybe traditional religions or maybe traditional ways of being haven't served them. I don't know. It's, it, I just think that there's something about coming back to those basic, that basic dialogue and just, and it can be really, really simple. It can be really simple and, and just, you know, acknowledging the presence of something, something that's else that's living next to you just because it doesn't talk in our language doesn't mean it doesn't have its own language. You know, the trees have root systems under the ground that have an amazing connection and, and <laughs> between them all. And in, in certain traditions or um, earth-based traditions, refer to our the animals and the plants and trees and everything else as brothers and sisters we're all part of the same family and I think that that's what's really helpful to remember that yeah and how, how do you for, for listeners if they're wanting they're sort of thinking oh my goodness yes for what you're saying about that that connection that we need to reconnect with is there sort of simple practices that you can you can sort of talk us through about how to connect or how you sort of speak and connect with with your environment it, I think it starts with with little things it's just you know it can be as simple as literally as simple as when you're in the shower in the morning acknowledging the water and it's cleansing um qualities and then it's and and acknowledging you know how lucky we are to have fresh water it's it starts I I think oftentimes it starts from a place of gratitude. I know it sounds cliche, but it really does because with the gratitude, you start to open your heart and your listening isn't from your mind. You're listening through your heart and your quality of attendance becomes that much richer. So I think, you know, you can start by, you know, in the shower, just becoming conscious and aware of the water over you. Um, when you're eating, realizing where, you know, when you're the fruits and vegetables, even when you're preparing your fruits and uh, vegetables and your, your food and remembering where that's come from, that's come from this land, that's nourishing your body. It's starting to remember that cycle. Um, and then, and then I think a big one is just, just really slowing down and listening. I know, you know, I make this practice for myself to make me slow down in some ways. You know, the world's very speeded up. And and the more we slow down, the more we stay. It's like the, the 
rolling wheel when you're driving along you're going so fast it's a blur as you go by but as soon as you start slowing down you can pick up the details and the colors and it becomes that much richer and I think that's what it is it's coming down and appreciating the essence of things and slowing down and being aware of your surroundings and you know the, the cliches of you know stop to smell the roses they're cliches because they work stop and smell the roses appreciate how amazing they smell you know um foraging is a great one I mean I forage with a friend and I mean I'm quite lucky I've got a garden full of wild garlic so I come out and they pick the wild garlic and then I eat that and I'm like wow I just picked this out in my garden it's pretty special when you think about it so I think the main ones is just becoming more aware on a micro level slowing down opening your heart through gratitude and beginning to really appreciate the wonder and the mystery of all we have around us yeah, absolutely. I know um, you have, when we're around the fire, you have uh, this, it's it's very, very obvious, this this gratitude that you give to to the fire, to the elements, to everything that's around us. Um, can you sort of explain why you give gratitude to Grandfather Fire? to to all the elements around you i think part of it is an acknowledgement of of the beauty and the magic as i said earlier that we have around us the other part is again is that um just as i'm sitting here a couple of blue tits they're literally just <laughs> just flown out next to us um anyway they uh the other part is really again that that sense of gratitude but it's also it's like you know you're presenting yourself to something and instead of just going and asking for something it's about it's about starting that reciprocity starting that sense of um exchange and and coming with it almost like coming with a gift and an offering and a, and, a, and, a, and a thank you you know um I was speaking with it with a teacher of mine and, and he says, that, you know, in prayers, they never say, they never ask for anything. Their prayers are of gratitude. The only thing that they ask for is that spring will come again next year, which I think is just beautiful. And again, it's this like always asking, but what are we bringing and how can we bring more? And how can it be instead of always about, you know, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? What, how can I humbly bring myself forward in front of this great mystery, this amazing um experience of life how can i bring myself truly authentically and um and and make my offering and my contribution so you know there's it's this idea of gratitude and cycle and reciprocity yeah because we we talk a lot actually or i talk a lot on the on the podcast about asking spirit for help um and i do always forget now and now you've sort of saying it again is that giving gratitude for what you've already had from spirit or or what you are receiving and then asking for support and i know we've talked um about the right way of asking for support from spirit when you're around a fire and um what you're what you're being given so lessons or but I, We've talked about um, the right questions. Can you just talk us through the, the right questions that to, to be asking of spirit after 
and in between receiving and giving thanks? I think there's a couple of things just to unpick that a little bit. It's one, it's, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong way. I think the way is through the heart. And again, it's coming back to that authenticity and tuning in and just being really real with it. And, and oftentimes, I mean, in my own practice, I know that I've cut myself off as, you know, I'm, we're all on this learning journey and I have to really consciously tune in and, and make sure that that's the place I'm speaking from. Or, you know, when I do my yoga practice in the morning, I make sure that until I felt that I'm really connected, I don't want to get up off my mat. I want to make sure that I'm like, that's the space I'm, I'm going to create my day from. Um, so that's one bit. It's, there's no right or wrong. And, and I think that, you know, it's, there's an element that, you know, I noticed that since I've changed how I, um, how appreciative I am for things, my, um, just things come much more freely and fluidly into my life because I generally, genuinely walk with this just awe <laughs> and great gratitude for, for, for life. And, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, it hasn't always been, you know, we've all had our ups and downs, but it's that genuine, genuine um, heartfelt honesty. But going back to your questions, I think that there's um, there are certain questions that you and and again it's like the questions you ask will dictate to a certain degree the answer you get. So you can ask a question of, oh, why is this happening to me? Well, what is the quality of that answer going to be? But if you can ask a question, what is happening here, or what is this teaching me? Or what can I what can I learn from this, and how can I use this information to help others? You can see that it's the same kind of thing, but you're just reframing it and framing it in a way that you can have a much more expansive response. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's an idea that we're it's you're expecting the good. Like, what am I learning from this? How can I? Uh, you know what are you what are you what am I being shown and and it's a it's a positive thing isn't it and it's a it's a growth and a expecting the best you know things are happening for you rather than sort of to you yeah but I think there's another element to it and like even in you know when I look at all the shitty patches in my life and there have been some really sticky ones you know it, um you know all of that stuff it's so you know it's truly the manure for the seeds to come through that's you know you could it's not all roses even every rose has a thorn you know and and that is part of the beauty and the growth and instead of I think that's the other way to flip the frame is instead of thinking about it in a sort of a why me context it's like okay you know this in the wider scheme this is just part of what I need to go through right now and part of my learning journey this is part of what I need to experience but making sure you don't miss the gift in that because there's a gift in all of it. And yeah, when I look at back at those, those tricky times that I've been through, there's been some really rich manure there. I mean, it was tough, don't get me wrong, but that, that's, that's been the, that's what's caused the beautiful flowers to grow. Yeah. Um, can you sort of tell us a bit about your background? It's probably a good time to do that now where you've, um, I know you've, you've done a lot of traveling and, I, um, okay, I worked, so I grew up in the UK, 
And um, at the age of 19, 20, I went on a two-week holiday to Miami. I just, I'd finished university. I'd worked my tail off all the way through and a two-week holiday. And when I got there, I was like, wow, this is interesting and exciting. You know, I was 20 years old. The world was at my feet. And, uh, and, I, and I ended up staying. And I ended up um, living in the States for a couple of years and then moving to the Caribbean. At the time, the reason I went, because this is before 9-11 when traveling was slightly different and to, um, I basically needed to go across a border to get a stamp on my passport to stay another six months. And I ended up staying in the Caribbean and um, running a, a series of, uh, of beautiful actually restaurants out there and like you know I was, I was 20 years old I had 100 people working for me I was just like I don't know how I well I was probably 21 so and uh just fell into this and and it was really an amazing experience um and an, and an amazing place to live and then I was there um yeah almost 10 years and then I moved to Spain because uh it was time to come back to Europe moved to Spain, lived in Spain, um, and ended up working in, uh, in a very different field in, in professional sports. And, um, I really enjoyed living there. And I, so I, I think, I think just without going into the, all the details, what was interesting was living in these different cultures. Um, I also lived in, in Israel for a couple of years. It's a whole other story. Um, but living in these different cultures and times when I didn't speak the language um, or I was an ethnic minority or, you know, I had this really vast experience of moving in these diverse, different um, spaces. And, and the beauty of it and what it taught me really was, and actually coming full circle back to the UK, which was by far, by far the hardest move after living 20 years abroad, the hardest move I ever made. Um, what I really gleaned from it a lot, but one of the main things was seeing the box and the social constraints of what we live and grow up in. Because as soon as you step outside that, you can see, hang on a minute, it's not done like that everywhere. And you start to realize your societal conditioning. And the more you move and the more you travel, the more you see it apparent in different places. And then it was an incredible gift for me to be able to see what I wanted to take on board and say, yeah, that's worthy. I'm keeping that. And that I'm discarding because actually it doesn't seem to have any, doesn't enrich in my life. And it was an amazing learning experience, 20 years living in different um different places in the world and, and and I feel coming back on that circle just very very grateful to be back in the UK I never imagined that I I just I guess at the time I didn't think that I would end up back here but I love it and what I'm finding and this is where it all comes back to this nature connection again is like the more rooted I am to nature and the more I connect with it the easier I find life the easier I journey through the different seasons. You know, 20 years I was living in the sunshine place. Now, you know, winter is like, ooh. But actually, I, I revel in it in a different way now. And it's it's connecting to the the, the cycle of life and the seasons and, and what you, the, the gift that each season brings that um, really makes living here and, and makes me feel grounded and rooted in, in quite a special way. Oh, it's funny because I, I didn't realise actually how long you'd stayed in the Caribbean before. Uh, and, of course, Christian travelled really widely in the Caribbean. He was going all over the islands and he did that for sort of 18 months. So, uh, 
I mean, I know Christian always joins us in our in the circle, um, <laughs> and and I and I know why, and because he he loves you. I have to say, he does, Nikki, uh, and it's perfectly obvious. And <laughs> you also speak Spanish as well, which Christian was he was good at, at Spanish, and and I know you actually speak four different languages, don't you? So you've had, uh, and what you were saying about moving around and observing other cultures other people other way the ways of of doing uh, um does that is that how you found the circles these fire ceremonies um mm, i think i think it was the yearning that was there you know for as long as i can remember i've i've had a really unusual um professional career um which has been amazing but all the while I had this real yearning, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the mystical, magical side of, uh, of life has always tantalised me, I guess. And I've always been yearning to connect with it. And, and it's, it's always run parallel, but it was kind of this, you know, it wasn't ever really out in the open. It wasn't, unless it was with certain people. You know what I mean. Mm. And I think... How did I find it? I think it was just, again, just connecting with finding traditions where we could really connect in that way. We just became more and more important and, and, and just an actual necessity almost, you know, something so vital to be able to share that, that space, that magical space around the fire. Yeah, I mean, I must say, I until I'd done a ceremony around the fire or just just sat in circle I didn't know that I was missing it yeah. <laughs> but now I we've been able to do it regularly if if I couldn't sit around the fire on these on these main um cycles in the in the year I would really really miss it it really does give me something oh lovely to hear I think mm. I think it's um you, you absolutely touch on it. There's something that sparks that ancestral remembrance within us when we're around there. This is why it's such a magical thing in so many worlds. It just it just reminds us in that real sense of remember to remember. It's like before we come down and incarnate on this world in, in this physical plane. It's like remember to remember. Don't you know? Bring those things forth. I think that's one thing. And then um, the the punctuating it around the cycles during the year. Um, it's really helpful because it also helps reminds us it keeps us in that cycle around the year it, it reminds us that spring time to blossom be creative launch projects bursting forth you know you've got this fragility of, of, of the first flowers when they come through but the absolute strengths it takes to break through the ground you know and then and then as, as you come into summer and the energy changes again and you get these longer days and the heat and it's a little bit lazier and then you have this intense activity at certain points and reminding us how we how we incorporate that in our daily life how we incorporate that in our own sense of projects and why wouldn't we align ourselves with the most amazing perfect uh pattern of nature or, or archetype to live by i mean if there's ever a more perfect example of what we need to do it's here all around us but so often we ignore it and use it as if it was there for our taking instead of listening in and tuning into that deeper wisdom that would actually show us how to live more harmoniously with life 
Yeah, and and it's also sorry, and it also um, just marking the simple process of just marking the court, you know, the year, the quarters and um, parts of the year. It really does slow down life. Just completely noticing and yeah, I think so, and it, and it also, you know, instead of instead of having you know a monthly, you know you've got these roughly six week periods and it, and it allows you to stop and take stock of, okay. And it's, it's also acts as a kind of a, a thermometer on your life. Okay. Where am I at? What's working? What's not? What's time to let go? What's time to bring forth? What's time to sow? You know, you can do it by the moon as well. You've got those other cycles within the, the, the cycles and it, but it's incredibly potent stuff. And, um, I don't know, it, it, for me, it just helps me feel more connected and it's made my living in these lands so much richer. And, and I didn't think like that when I was living here, when I was up to 20 years old, you know, when I was, I didn't think that way. But now it's fundamental and it's like, you know, not just around the fire remembering to remember, but it's it's like remembering the roots of how we were connected to these lands before you know the medicine is everything is everywhere around us it's it's what's ever is imbued with the ability to teach us or for us to be able to learn and and it's again it's just slowing down and listening in and yeah yeah sort of getting getting lessons from nature i i often do um like do a, a do a walk I imagine you probably do the same thing. I've got a question or something that I would like some guidance on and I'll, I'll go off very sort of slowly on a walk and I, I'll notice sort of three things maybe which are really speaking to me somehow. It could be, a I don't know, a, a, a bird or something that I re- repeat seeing or um, something about the blossoms or do you, do you do that kind of thing? Yeah, and I think that's a really valid point and one for your listeners that you asked earlier about ways to connect. You know, it's such an obvious one in, in many ways, but it's, it's again, you know, ask the question, what's troubling you? Where, where, just put it out there. You know, we're not alone in this. <laughs> just put it out there. But again, frame it in a way that you, you allow a response that's expansive to come back to you and one that can support you rather than that's narrow and going, going in. And yeah, I do. And, and I think, um, and, and other things I've done that have been really um, quite interesting is setting, setting intentions for my walk. So last winter, for example, and it was really, it was cold and muddy and, and I was just like, today I'm going to play. I'm good because I wanted to, again find that joy. How do we find the joy in these things if we don't start bringing it through and making it happen? It's not just oh today I'm going to be joyful. No, you've got to find ways to experience that and bring it forward. And I said, right, I'm going to play in nature. I mean, there was you know I took my welly boots off. I was in puddles. My my partner said to me, what are you doing? You're mad. You're going to have wet feet for the rest of the walk. I was like, no, I can't ignore this calling. I need to do it for some reason. I'm going to. Oh my goodness, I had so much fun that day. And I think it was because, you know, it's such a silly example, but I was intentional about, you know, making, opening up that dialogue and saying, right, today I'm going to have a really fun, joyful day. And it was, it was really fun and joyful. It sounds, it's, you know, it all sounds silly when you repeat it back, but it was profound at the time. <laughs> oh, but that's all part of the, like, just being childlike about it, isn't it? It's, it's not being, it's just 
like just being in nature and being joyful about, about being there and being on this earth and being grounded to it. Uh, it is. It's a it's a really joyous, joyous thing. I think that there's something like, you know, we, we get so entrenched in our lives and our habits and the daily routine and the earning the money and, the, you know, the adult stuff. And mm. it's that bringing that sense of joy and that childlike spirit to things that is so important. And, and play. I mean, when was the last time we played? You know, it, this sense of play is so important, but often it's sort of, relegated to just children's stuff i don't want to stop playing why no, <laughs> um i know if we sort of talking about um if we now move on to talking about the fire and the circle and the connectivity between people you know we're, at the moment we're all sort of still in this social distancing and there's a lot of fear still around um but when I first came into the circle, my experience was actually, it was it was quite unnerving at first because there were quite a few people that I didn't know. But the connection that you have around the fire and sort of sharing, it's, it's really this sharing, isn't it, of, oh, just that connection and sharing with people and the honesty that kind of comes out around the fire. I mean, can, is there some, what's the sort of alchemy around the fire? What's, what, what does the fire do? It's obviously ancestral and ritual, but can you put your finger on what it kind of, what it does? I think it's a number of things. It's like when we walk into that circle, we drop everything, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's something about the connectedness about the space creating a space to be able to share and a space that's held and, and respected and honored. And there's a, an honoring of each other in the circle. And we've celebrated and practiced ritually in circles for centuries, you know, mm. eons. And, and I think we touched on it earlier. It's like, there's a, there's also, you, you tap into the, not only the individual experience, but the shared collective that comes through. And it's, there's something about being in circle that everything seems to get mirrored in there and you get the possibility to see things and work things out. And, and it becomes very apparent very quickly when there's a lack of authenticity. It, it, it's like th there's no space for that lack of authenticity because even that in itself is showing something up. Even that's showing something that it's just a space where you get to be not even that. It's just such a held space that everyone is totally themselves and is able to bring forth what they need to in that moment but it just it's a lesson for everyone around there there's always something in there for everyone in that circle always it's just it's incredible really when you think about it because it's such a simple thing yet it's so so rich yeah and it's allowing I think um it's allowing everybody to have a say as well so you the principle of the fire is is everyone takes their turn to speak and you you are listened to and I think maybe in these days we want to be more listened to um and and it does it's a healing process isn't it and and the sort of 
we I know you you were telling me about um so the grandmothers and and the warriors and the children oh. sort of the the basics of the fire in in other cultures where if you can explain it how how you how they sort of heal and and have peaceful relations around a fire so you'd have them sitting around the fire and you'd have your war chiefs and your peace chiefs and your um, law council and, uh, and, and all the things that it takes to, that you would need in society. And actually we have that within us as well. But you would, the children and, and the mothers, would, the children would have their voice represented, which is, as you said, everyone has their voice represented and everyone has this moment to be heard. You never would never talk across the fire, so the mothers would never sit next to the children, so they wouldn't be able to cut them off. So all voices were welcome. But you'd always have the children's fire at the centre of that. And based on, you know, for true leadership to really happen, uh, it's based on the fact that no decision, no action of any kind would be, be permitted from the council that would do any harm to the, the children. And that way it ensured that the future generations were protected and it ensured, you know, also like the seven generation principle. And it's like that should be in the DNA of every leadership because when you've got the children at the center of the fire, you're always ensuring, you know, a future harmonious, harmonious future for them. You're always ensuring that they're protected rather than I think the center of the fire, even if there is one with our leaders today, it seems to be money and economy and totally, you know, anyway, another conversation for another time. But going back to what you were saying, it's, you know, it's, it's a place where all voices can be heard. And what a, uh, uh, it just, it makes me sad in, in that we're not all sitting around fires to, to, make peace and to hear everybody's point of view and those that don't have necessarily the voice in society um i'm thinking more i'm actually at the moment i'm thinking more of um you know teenagers and and young adults who quite rightly at the moment are probably feeling pretty lost and in in this world that they're living in and the opportunities that are being you know restricted and we talked about this actually last time we were around the fire to have, you know, teenagers around the fire and young adults around the fire with, with, a, I was going to say us elders, but not, not us elders, but, you know, as a, as a, as guides almost into, into how to use the fire. A safe space and a sounding board. I think it's so important now with the teenagers, they what outlet do they have? You know, what, uh, computer you know it's it's very and it's such a sort of a, a difficult growth time anyway um and I, I think it will be very very beneficial and just going back a step it's I think that the leadership model needs to be totally overhauled totally overhauled because the priorities we have right now is you know especially in this culture I mean even just in it well not even just in this country it's just just shocking the, the pr lack of principle lack of integrity honesty truth wisdom you know i don't see any of this apparent in them and these are fundamental qualities that need to be there so 
Absolutely. Yeah. Again, we need to get everybody around the fire, don't we? And have those principles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just thinking just when we were talking about um, the sort of losing, losing our way in life. Um, and I know when I was a 20 something and Christian was also 20 something, we were kind of knowing that there was more to life out there and that we were here to do something but it's having that clarity and I was never I mean I spent you know Christian and I both spent loads of time outside we used to live on a farm we were always out and about um but it was having that sort of guidance and and I I think if I'd had a fire to sit around with it with all the different sort of generations it would have been I would have been sort of fast-tracked into understanding what was re required of me. I think we're, we're um, missing the elders, you know, we're missing them. It's just the, in our society, say our society here, just using the UK, you know, relegated to old people's homes and, you know, almost secondary citizens as such, instead of having a chance to, to share that wisdom and, and sharing their experience. And, you know, we very much value the youth in society and, and beauty and, and it's, it doesn't allow for that wisdom to be passed down. I mean, and, and the other thing, I mean, you know, it's obvious thing is, you know, Around the fire, people would share their stories. You know, stories would get handed down generation upon generation. Songs would be sung honoring our ancestors. And, you know, there was a history there, a woven history that we don't seem to have. We don't, you know, even just singing and other cultures have it. I remember when I was spent some time in South America after dinner, everyone would get out their guitars and everyone would all be singing. And, and you know, I, I don't think I've ever been to a household in the UK where people have just got out their musical instruments and had a jam session. Maybe I was going to the wrong houses, but you know what I mean? That's it's not interwoven in our culture in the main, in the same way is what I mean. It's not exactly a uh, mainstream, but it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, so I was just going to say that the rites of passage you know, for 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 adolescents moving into into adulthood, for getting married, all these all these, and and obviously grief and death, and and that would have all been around the fire, wouldn't it? In community and all those rites of passages. Well, um, you know, in 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 some traditions, and you know, in our earlier tribal cultures, you as you go from, um, you know passing into womanhood or, or you know young boys becoming men they would go on a vision quest they would go and they would have something it's like that overcoming something to come back and and again talking of rites of passage these transitional phases and I think it's very very big right now you know death in our culture I mean it's it's not handled in a way that we appreciating life through it. It's this, this finality because we don't understand life and that's why it's, people are so fearful of it. And it's not celebrated in the right way and it's handled in a very, it doesn't feel natural to me how it's handled in this culture. And I mean, this is something you know only too well. And it's, how can we, how can we shift that? Because I think that that whole idea around death right now is very obviously with the whole 
dare I use the COVID word, but, you know, keep people safe at all costs. But what, at what cost? Isn't it better to die an honourable life surrounded by your, sorry, to die and, you know, surrounded by your loved ones in a way that, you know, your, your passing is nurtured as you, rather than in a place where you might be on your own in the middle of a ward somewhere with no one around. Oh, anyway, there's a whole other conversation, but there's something around how we, how we deal with our rites of passage in, in this, in this culture that's, that's, I don't think we do it's it's really lacking and I think that that really that really counts for a lot yeah because I've I've done quite a lot of research into um sort of the indigenous ways of celebrating death and and the a griefing a grief process uh and I was actually talking to somebody the other day about um like after a year you have a ceremony of the tears I think it was called uh where you know you you're celebrating all the firsts that happen after a year of death. So the first time you would, I don't know, um, you know, the first birthday, the first anniversaries of this and that Christmas, uh, obviously not Christmas, but um, but that year would be a whole year that you could have to mourn. Uh, whereas like, we don't have that, do we? We're sort of like a few months after it, off, you know, you should be, you should be all right now, get on with it. Well, we don't, we don't have these initiations or these ritual practices or these transitions you know that it's there's no transition to support that and I think it's really important to look at how we can how we can bring them bring them forth in our culture yeah absolutely um what do you um I know we were we were just talking about being in circle and and releasing things into the fire so that the alchemy that happens around the fire it seems a kind of nice way to sort of finish the discussion in terms of what can you release to the fire I know we've done quite a few different things I think it comes back to a dialogue and and anything that you want to release so oftentimes um I might say a prayer. So, so there's some, you know, I'll put something in the fire saying a prayer of something that I want to let go of and be a way of being or an emotion or something stuck and, and have that and make a ritual practice over that. But you can also release into the fire your prayers, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, how you dreaming in a, in a beautiful world and dreaming in a more harmonious way of living, dreaming in whatever it is you want for your life and, um, and offer and uh, make an offering at the same time. So anything really, I mean, it's, it's your dialogue, it's your conversation. Okay. So if people are, uh, are sitting with, without access to a fire, um, can, uh, um, can you do this with candles? Can you, what, how can you sort of adapt this to everyday living? Make a ritual practice with a candle. You can sit and like, even, you know, even when you light that candle, what are you lighting the candle for? Is it, is there something, you know, I, when I light a candle in the morning, I say a little prayer of what I want to bring in that, that day. It could be anything. Um, you can, you can make an offering if you like to the it's, it's again it's that dialogue the flame is still there it's the one flame of, of all the fires they're all connected it's not that it's just your separate flame in your room no it's all connected 
Ah, so that's key, isn't it, actually? Um, because I do think when you when you're certainly for me when being around the fire you're connecting to not just everybody around the fire but you're connecting to ancestors um so i know when you when you light a fire you always um you always use the ashes from the previous fire don't you yeah when when i'm making the fire at the beginning i am i'll I'll always keep some of the ashes from a previous fire and um use them so it's like all of the thoughts and the beauty and the intention that it just gets it feels like it gets stronger and stronger and i add some rose petals and some cedar or some and some tobacco and and use that at this heart of the fire and with prayer and um and I think that that's again it comes down to that intentionality of, of how you build it um and again for someone practicing in their home if they don't have access to the fire you know you can in the same way you can access all the elements you can build a little altar you can have your your candle on there you could have a little cup of water you could have something that represents the earth be it a crystal or a plant flower you know you can start to bring these practices in and start honoring it in the way that works for you it's all about how it works for you and what feels seamless and fluid in your life so make a small altar and make that a place where you start to enter into that dialogue and connection on a daily basis start doing that and and you it's like anything friendships grow over time it's not like you know these things these taking things taking time and love and um so i think that that's a, a really nice way to do it to uh to an altar practice as well yeah that's a really lovely idea um and we're, if we're talking about the ancestors again what do you ha, what do you feel so if we're sort of receiving and giving to them as well what what can they sort of help with or what what can we learn from them Ooh, that's a big question <laughs> i think that it's um there's so much i mean i find that like stuff is wow so traumas we can we can have ancestral traumas in our lineage and they're almost like shadows that exist within us and it's how can we heal our own stuff that then heals everything back and forward so you don't so then our children don't then carry those traumas through so again in the same way that um the dialogue with nature or with the fire or with the elements or whatever it is you can have that same dialogue with your ancestors and and i i say a prayer um for mine that those who haven't lived well died well or passed well I say pray that they might be guided to the light that they might find wholeness and peace and love and and I think that there's you know what can you learn from them so much but I think the key point is um we're here right here right now it's almost like that seed of potentiality you know you can use the analogy of the seed in the same way of where it's put all the elements around it and it grows into something strong but it's the past present and future in that one seed and same as us we are the past and present and future we are all of you know seven generations behind us and the seven generations forwards and we're here right now what can we do to mend those things within ourselves that we might live a better life and hopefully shift something so that forward for our children they might then grow and build a better life for themselves Oh, absolutely. It, it, it does rely on us doing the work, doesn't it? And um, I, I, we haven't, we've run out of time, Nikki. Our session, the 
the episodes always go so so quickly um but if you just um if people are interested in about you about you in the work that you do do you have a website you can send people to yes the vidasana.com the vidasana and vidas v-i-d-a sana s-a-n-a.com and uh, vida means life in spanish um and sana is healthy or whole so it's uh all about healthy and whole connection to ourselves each other and our environment oh well i'm thank you so much for joining us and like if anybody gets the opportunity to sit around a a fire with with nikki please do take it um next week um i have a lovely lady from the gold coast in australia and uh i talked to her it's um about her son who who died suddenly but she, like myself, and we've just t- touched on it with Nikki actually about taking the gifts out of difficult times and the gifts out of, from loss and what we can learn to make a more uh, purposeful and joyful life moving forward. So that's next week with um, Karen Chaston. Um, and I must thank again, Nikki, thank you so much for joining me from your beautiful garden. And, I'm, you know, the birds were quite well behaved, weren't they? <laughs> and thankfully thankfully they stopped um actually when we started they stopped um they uh, don't know what they were doing hammering or doing something over there so we were lucky (laughs) oh they can carry on now can't they (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much always good to see you and connect with you all right lovely thank you very much and thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next week thank you for listening to the finder of lost things I think we've been triggered so long and so hard by COVID and it's going to carry on. People are getting used to to stillness and they're getting used to um, more solitude. But how do you use that time for the highest good? This process that we're going to explore will bring back the joy and purpose to life. That wholeness, you know, that sort of harmony and flow and togetherness. People are really ready to find their lost parts now. You can find me at hannahvelton.online. Views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.